Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Good afternoon, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Our guest today is Mary Lynn McCurack. And Mary Lynn has a story uh, that is of interest, of personal interest to me, because uh, she is also a GBS, Guillain-Barre syndrome survivor. Uh, but uh, I came in contact through Mary Lynn uh, through her uh, Facebook page, uh, which I'm sure at some point she'll talk about today. But uh, through our journey with my daughter, Kendall, her her group page was a big help and inspiration for us when we weren't sure what to do and, and, and where to look. So Mary Lynn, we're very excited to uh, hear your story. So whenever you're ready, please go ahead and, and include us. Well, good afternoon, Tim, and thanks for um, allowing me to share with you. Um, my story kind of starts back in 2006. Um, my husband and I moved to South Carolina out of Miami, Florida to start a new life. Um, we were here a couple weeks, a couple months maybe, and started getting a weird numbness and tingling in my feet and hands, and I started falling and dropping things. So my husband came home from work and he found me laying on the couch and I had gravel burns from falling in the driveway. So he decided it was time to take me to the emergency room. And of course, once we're there, they did all kinds of little things and couldn't find anything really wrong with me. And the doctor accused me of wanting drugs. And I'm like, no, I said, this just isn't normal for a 42 year old woman to start falling and dropping things. And so he sent me for a neural consult. So two days later, I went for a neurology consult. And the neurologist, he says to me, well, you're walking like a duck. And I thought my husband was going to um, hit him because my husband said, well, if you're talking about me or her mother, then that would be the case. So at this point, I'm starting to get a little bit more weaker. And I called back the hospital for another neurology consult and was sent to a woman neurologist this time. Oh, boy. And of course, during this time, I googled, which is not something you normally do. So when I went in to see Dr. Barbara Sarb, I said, I think I have Guillain-Barre. And she did a few little tests in her office. She says, I agree with you. Well, three hours later, I was in the hospital um, with a confirmed diagnosis and starting IVIG treatments. Um, stayed in the hospital for five days, a lot of weakness, but I could walk very slowly. So I went home, did a little bit of outpatient therapy. Six weeks later, I had a relapse that was worse than initial. My husband came home and I couldn't even get off the couch. So I was sent 
we called Dr. Sarb and she sent me right back to the emergency, right back to the hospital, sorry, not the emergency room, um, and did five days of treatments. The thing was this time I couldn't walk. So they sent me to rehab, which I spent from November of 2006 to February of 2007. And during that time, I hit a plateau, which means that didn't go forward and I didn't go backward. And the neurologist wanted to try doing another set of treatments, even though she had never done this before. So I went in and I had um, three days of IVIG and I went back to the rehab. And during this time, they had wrote a report to the insurance company saying I wasn't making any progress. Well, the next day after I received, I had done the best walking that I had done. So they were really surprised. So I went home, barely able to walk, not able to dress myself or barely feed myself. Um, sorry, this is kind of hard here. Um, my husband used to have to put me on the couch in the morning with a porta potty next to me and a cooler with sodas and food. And I had um, therapists come to the house and finally one of them realized that um, I had severe drop foot, which is a case where you can't lift your feet up. Correct, yeah. And what a lot of people don't know about GBS is that you, it hits you one way and you recover the opposite. So during this time, I knew nothing about having to keep my feet up. So they found once that she got me fitted for braces, I could walk, not well, but I could walk. <laughs> um, so I would walk up and down the hallway and my husband felt a little better about leaving me at home. I mean, cause it was kind of scary, but you know, he had to work. And of course, during this time, I would get on the internet and try to find others like me or anything. And at that time, it was MySpace, I think it was, and there was really nothing on there. Um, so I literally Googled GBSCIDP and I found um, the GBSCIDP Foundation. And I became a member and they sent some of the best information that answered so many questions for me. I felt like a light bulb had opened. And because then it still, it was another two years before I was like really up and about, but not, no, I'm still not a hundred percent today. I'll, I'll jump to that. But back then I was probably 60%. You know, I could get outside the house. I could walk a little in the yard, you know, had trouble getting down the ramp. So I always had to make sure somebody was there to go down the ramp with me. Um, so what was the time frame in between the time frame we're talking about now and the initial uh, uh, diagnosis? I am almost, I was diagnosed in October of 2006. So right. I'm almost 14 years out. Okay. So, but at the time we're talking about right now, the, the time when you're at the house, you're going through, you're figuring out the drop foot and trying to, you know, rehab. Um, that was probably a good, close to 10 months. So about 10 months later, this is when this is taking place. Yeah. Okay. 
So, but it took like another year, a little over a year for me to get steady enough to like really handle the walker. And because I had problems getting up with a regular walker, I was, my upper body was strong. So I was pulling the walker over. So my aunt got me one of those four wheeled ones with the brake and I could get myself up without pulling the walker over. And that one was kind of nice because when I did go outside, I could sit in it and do stuff around the yard. So, yeah, we had to get our daughter uh, one of those for pretty much the same reason. Um, it was helped her to get around when she got tired. She had a place to sit. Oh, I've been pushed all over the place in that thing. <laughs> yeah, we were. T uh, we did that too. We were told we weren't supposed to, but we did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of things you're not supposed to do, but. Nobody's journey in this is a lot is, you know, follows a black and white, you know, there's gray areas on all sides and Oh, absolutely agreed. You know, and so I guess now we're what, like almost to 2009 and I start, I found Facebook and I started a page called Guion Brace Syndrome Survivors and Boy, it's still going strong. I think we have, what, 9,000 members now, 10, 11 years later. Yeah, I think and so, yeah. We discuss so many different topics. And on, on to that, it, it made me realize how all of our journeys, every one of our journeys is the same, but it's different. Everybody has a little side path, you know, a little crossover. But I have never found, and I've, you know, even when my work at, the liaison with the foundation, which I'll get into in a minute, that any of us, all of us are so different. I mean, I've had people tell me they are in so much pain and I just look at them and go, but I didn't have pain. I didn't have feeling, you know, and the pain that I had, it was the nerve, the neuropathy pain, the nerve pain. So, and these people are talking about physical pain, which, you know, and I'm like, I'm, and they asked me about it. I said, I can't help you with that because I personally did not experience it. So, and I've also been told that I'm a little on the outside because my neuropathy is hot where everybody else's neuropathy is cold. So, I just, um, I'm strange. Sorry. I thought that would be a nice little joke there. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I appreciate that because that's what my, my daughter and I say to each other when you know, people talk about their journey with GBS and my daughter says, well, I'm not going through that. And I just, I'm like, well, that's because we're weird, that, honey. I, I gave you that. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the GBS CIDP Foundation, if that's okay, because a lot of people um, just yeah, think out there. Um, no, please do. The GBS CIDP Foundation was um, founded in 1980 by Estelle and Bob Benson. Bob came down with GBS and Estelle could not find any information out there. And she swore that when Bob got through this, they were going to do something about it. Well, here we are 40 years later and still going strong. Um, the, the foundations um, has four pillars and that's what I really want to talk about because that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to say that like this, the foundation gave me a purpose and a mission because I felt so lost because I couldn't go out and get a job. And I just wanted to be able to help others like myself because this is so hard and nobody understands it if they haven't been through it. And when I became a li liaison, 
which falls under their support um, pillar. It meant so much to me to connect with new patients and their families and to tell them, you know, it's okay, you're gonna get better. And of course, everybody's question is, well, will I recover 100%? And I'm like, I can't answer that. Nobody can. I mean, even today, 14 years out, I'm probably what they consider 90% because I still have drop foot and even though I wear, you know, AFOs. Yeah. I think my, uh, I think for many people that what they don't understand with GBS is that recovery is a moving target. Um, and that, you know, it's not something that everybody's going to hit 100% of the time. And so it, it causes different levels of, of what you have to be willing to accept as different levels of success. Well, it's like I tell, you know, even my neurologist said at five years to me, she said, I never thought you would get out of the wheelchair. And I just looked at her like, okay. She goes, well, I didn't want to discourage you. And here I am, you know, today I go and I work out and I swim a lot. And even my husband notices little differences in me. He's like, you know, I don't know if you realize that, but you're walking better. And I'm like, well, I've just kind of adjusted my gait a little. I've had to learn, you know, to take smaller steps so the hips don't hurt and the back don't hurt and little things like that. So sure. Like, <clears throat> so making adjustments as you go. So as to help you. Right. Sure. Um, okay. Um, and like I said, as my role as liaison, you know, supporting the families and, you know, just being there, I guess to be an ear or somebody, you know, just say there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and to tell you about, you know, the options that are out there for you. Um, to also tell you it's okay to have a bad day, just don't sit there and wallow in it for days at a time. Because I'll be the first to tell people, I sat in my chair too long feeling sorry for myself before I got up and did something about it. And you just, you know, like I tell people, it's okay to cry, it's okay to scream. You know, just let it out, let it go. You know, because this is all about a mental rebuild along with a physical rebuild. Oh, absolutely, yeah. A new normal. And I tell people that, you know, you need to grieve who you were and let it go and be gone and move on. You know, some people say that sounds cold, but you know, this is a really hard thing. And especially, you know, for your daughter, it's just being young and being so active. It just, I, I actually understand, you know, I was 42 years old and running around like a mad woman. And all of a sudden I was like down and out. So it was like, so. yeah, my daughter went from uh, participating in a, a talent show a few nights previous to all this happening. Um, my daughter, my daughter loves to sing, loves to perform. She went from being in a talent show, singing in front of a big group at her school to three days later being in, in the, you know, in the hospital. Okay. Um, the other three pillars of the foundation are research and under research, they have a program called a walk and roll, which is our signature fundraising event. I also chair a walk here in Conway, South Carolina every year. But of course, I'm not having one this year. Um, we've moved it to May. The goal in that is, I think our goal last year was $350,000. Every $50,000 we raise is a research grant. So that was what, seven last year. And we know we're not going to hit that this year. But besides, you know, the walk and roll being a great fundraising tool, I actually just think it's an awesome way to get people together and get the community involved. And that's, I, that's what I enjoy most about the walk and roll. It's not just the GBS people, it's our regular community folks that step up and just help out in any way possible. I just, it's just, 
incredible to watch. You know, just my well, friends, fantastic. Their friends come out and. And if nothing else, I love the name of it. Walk right. and roll. That's fantastic. Right. Well, we were supposed to have 20 something this year across the United States. So. No, thanks COVID. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Took another thing away from us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing, another one of their pillars is education, which of course we educate the public and doctors and whatnot. Um, all about GBS, CIDP and its variants. And their last pillar is advocacy, which, um, I really got involved with last year, um, spent a little time on the Hill, um, advocating for a bill, which might interest you, which is called HR 2905. And it's called a medic, basically it's a Medicare, Medicare home infusion bill. So people don't have to worry about it. They can get their infusions for IVIG for, um, at home instead of having to go into a hospital or into an infusion center. So that was pretty exciting to go up on Capitol Hill and share my story with senators and congressmen. It just, it was a real eye-opening experience, so. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, um, so where, where does that bill stand right now? Is it still? Um, we have 23 co-sponsors. And of course, because we were supposed to go to the Hill in um, October, we can't go to visit more. Um, but right now we're working on doing a letter campaign to the Department of Defense um, to keep Guillain-Barre on their list of, they have a list of, I, I'm trying to explain this so everybody will understand it. Basically it's a list of things that military personnel get from vaccines and Guillain-Barre happens to be on that list. And as long as it stays on that list, we can get part of the $2 million in grant to, for research um, out of that. Does that make sense? No, you're doing great. Okay. No, very understandable. Sometimes I get a little, little tongue-tied with the lingo. No, no, right? you're doing great. So. Okay. So, you know, anybody that, you know, has any questions wants, you know, the foundation is a great resource. If anybody just goes through and checks their website, they have stuff on all the variants, all the stuff they do in the community, our latest research grants, our walk and roll program. Um, and I have to say that a lot of people might not know this. Um, all the ladies in the office, um, of course, Estelle Benson is there. You know, her husband, Bob, had it. The executive director, Lisa, her father-in-law and her son had it. Um, Lori, who is, um, deals with our Global Medical Advisory Board, which I should talk about in a minute, um, she had GBS when she was in college. And Kelly, our events and outreach manager in the office, she's got CIDP. So they're not just a bunch of pretty faces in the office. They've actually fought the fight and get what we're all going through. So it's so great to have all them in our corner. A true depth of knowledge then. Uh-huh. And speaking of our Global Medical Advisory Board, we have some of the best neurologists on the world, in the world, on our Global Medical Advisory Board. A lot of people don't realize that. And when I mean all over the world, I mean all over the world. Along with having centers of excellence, which... Um, a hospital has to fit a certain criteria before they are labeled that by us. So a lot of people are like, wow, you guys are, you know, we have some great pharmaceutical um, partners out there too that, you know, give a lot of time and money and stuff to us. 
you know, and the website is www.gbs-cidp.org if anybody wants to look it up. And of course, as a regional director, you know, I deal with not only the patients, I deal with liaisons in what, five, let's see, I do Florida, Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, Alabama, and Puerto Rico. So okay, I deal with a lot of different areas and people. Okay. So. Excellent. So there's anything that I can answer for you while we're on this? You know, I, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're still at that stage, I think, where we don't know what we don't know. Um, so with Kendall, we're, we're now at a point where uh, we're just trying to battle uh, uh, some, some neuropathy, uh, and uh, which leads her to be uh, a bit of an insomniac. It keeps her up at night and she's having a hard time sleeping. Um, which affects her day to day. And we're, so we're trying to, we're trying to work with that with our doctors right now. And okay, trying well, to... I have a non-medical thing that I use and it, it's called two old goats foot, foot balm. Two old goats. Yes. Don't laugh. It's literally <laughs> like it says two old goats foot balm. Okay. It soothes and cools the nerves. I, okay. if I, if I do not put it on my feet at night, I can't sleep. Okay. Well, it's worth, it's anything's me, worth a try, really. I have what they call banding along with the neuropathy, which means it feels like my foot is in a vice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, we talked about that while she was in the hospital. She had it for a short time. I don't think she's dealing with banding anymore, but not that I'm aware of. Right. And to me, I mean, because I didn't like any of the medication. I went off most of that as quick as I could because one made me put on weight. The other one gave me a horrendous headache in the back of my head. So I was worried about my head more than, you know, the rest of yeah. my body. Yeah. Uh, we were on one medication and she had some pretty severe reactions to that one. Um, and now she's on two. Uh, and she takes those in one, you know, one dose of them in the morning, one dose at night. And, and so far that seems to keep her, her pain at bay for the most part during the day. Uh, if we don't take those, then we have, we have issues and we, we, it, you know, so we, we notice it when, when she's forgotten to take her, her morning meds. Also, uh, I guess I should have also stated that when I was still in a wheelchair, my father told my husband to put me in a pool and my husband thought he was crazy. So my husband slid me down in a pool and off I went swimming and my husband called my dad and he goes, how did you know she would be all right in the pool? He goes, well, when she was a baby, she could swim before she could walk and I figured it was ingrained. So to this day, the pool is my happy place. Yep. Same with my daughter. Uh, she, she takes to water like a fish. So uh, when we were at the hospital, in fact, uh, at the rehab hospital, and so in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which, we're, which is where we're nearby, uh, we went to a hospital called Mary Freebed, and, which is an amazing place and I, it's one of those things where I can't say enough good things about them. Wonderful, wonderful people. Um, but uh, when she was finally, because uh, she for a while uh, we during after our let's see what was it, our second stay in ICU, um, she had to have her one. Of her, she had a really bad lung in, in infection and had to have her lung punctured and drained, 
So they couldn't get her into the pool when they wanted to. They had to let that that incision and you know everything heal. Uh, but once we were able to get her into the water, she took off and she was you know able to strengthen and start strengthening her legs and she started you know just kind of really flourished as soon as she could do that. Oh, that was just that. Like I said, even t- just even today, that's like my happy place. Oh yeah, I believe it. Let's see. So let's see. Uh, so 2006, you're diagnosed. 2009, you start going through some some of these things. When was it that you you said was it in 2009 that you discovered the 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 foundation? Is that when you joined? I joined back in 2007 when I found okay. them, but I okay. didn't I didn't become a liaison till I think 2014 because the first time I tried. Um, I went through an interview and the woman was surprised that I was asking to be a volunteer when I didn't drive. Okay. And I went, but I have people to drive me. What does it matter? (laughs) Right. You know, but it, that, that, I don't want to speak ill of that, but that director didn't last very long. So (laughs) I had already passed all the interviews. Okay. So, and I have some great mentors there. I mean, I have, I have people that have, I mean, one of my best, I guess one of my best mentors and friends has been with the foundation for 30 years and she had GBS 37 years ago. And she is just like a wealth of knowledge that, you know, I just, I soak up and absorb, you know, every time I'm around her, I just love to listen to her talk, especially to patients. Oh, sure. You know, I just, I sit there and awe. she goes, you're hanging with your mouth open again. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm always in awe when you start speaking. I'm going to say, this has been a tough year. I hadn't been able to do chapter meeting like I normally do. Normally now, this time of year, I'm working on the walk that we have in September, and I can't do that. So I've been a little lost with time. Sure. Much time on my hands. So so what are you doing to fill that that time? Because um, normally, it sounds like you would have been very busy with the foundation, uh, you know, and helping there. So what are some other avenues that you're using to help Keep busy and recover. Um, well, I they opened up our um, local rec center, so I go in there three mornings a week, um, do work out in their weight room for a little while. Um, the other two mornings a week, um, I have a group of us that do stuff online together, a 40-minute workout ranging from Zoom. I'm not into the Zumba part, but I like the uh, strength and core part of it. So. Okay. And then... Until it got really hot, I liked working out in the yard, but it's gotten really too hot and I just, I can't stay out there for long periods of time because it's like my muscle sees up. So, and I have read a lot more books this summer than I normally do. <laughs> I'll say that. I even yeah. took up adult coloring books too, so that'll tell you. I just got, uh, I just got one, uh, the Beatles one, adult coloring book. So, yeah, I... I I've never thought that I would want to color, but you know, and sure. of course, you know, I usually spend a little time, well, not a little a time in the pool in the afternoon. Cause I've been blessed that my aunt got me a pool a few years back. So I have a pool in my backyard. So oh, excellent. I spend time in that until it gets where it's like bathwater and then it's not enjoyable anymore. So I got a couple more weeks of that. And, right. And so, so yeah. So we've discovered, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you, um, can't just spend too long out in the heat because it starts, you know, muscles start tensing up. We find that with my daughter as well. She gets outside, she gets, you know, a little dehydrated uh, quicker than, than normal, I think. Um, yeah. 
And uh, so she was right before uh, she went into the hospital, she was just starting to take up longboarding, um, you know, the long skateboards. And uh, so she's been trying to get back on that. But here in Michigan, the, the heat and the humidity is coming back. Uh, July and August are always typically very hot months here in Michigan. And, uh, and so she's where she might have gone out for half hour, 40 minutes at a time before. And now it's five, maybe 10 minutes, go out, ride it for a couple minutes, just so that she said that she can say that she did. And then, you know, right back in. So. Well, the weather, and of course, I don't know about it there, but our weather was a little weird here. We were like, it, it, last month, I mean, in the middle of last month, we had like 70 degree days. And I was like, I was excited. I was out there pulling weeds. I mean, I know that doesn't sound like fun, but you know. Sure. It clears the mind, you know. The, yeah. I get all this stuff in my head and I, I make the girls in the office at the foundation lab. I'm like, please get me something to do. I got all this stuff in my head and I just... I have no, and all this energy and I just don't know where to put it. And they laugh at me. If you could, so when you're talking to people and, you know, you talked about uh, acting as a liaison and, and you enjoy the advocacy portion um, and you clearly uh, enjoyed, you know, working with the education research portion, but as a liaison, you're offering support to the families that are, that are in need and talking to them and dealing with them. What are, what are some of your, um, I don't want to call them talking points, but some of the things that you typically hit on when you're talking with people um, who are who are fresh into this uh, to give them some hope or perspective as to where they're at and where they're going. I always tell them to take it one day at a time for one. I want to tell them what you can do today. You might not be able to do tomorrow, but you may be able to do in three days from now. A lot of this is two steps forward, three steps back, which I'm sure that you're aware of. Um, I like to remind them that the mental, mental care is so important. And also for the caregivers, the mental, you know, take some time for yourself. Um, like I said before, it's okay to have a bad day. Just don't have a lot of them. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's some of the admonition we give Kendall too, is that, hey, you know, so today's a bad day, but tomorrow we, we start fresh. You know, don't you know, care. I tell, I, tell them, I tell it like this. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I tell people, you know, if this hurts doing it this way, then try it another way. It's, you know, I have, you know, I've always complained, you know, my biggest thing is my hips. And my husband realized that one day that I was trying to be the old me that would walk faster because, you know, longer steps. And he suggested to start shorten my stride. Well, I shortened my stride and then I noticed my hips weren't hurting as bad. So it's little things like that that are trial and error that you got to find. Okay. So yeah, making adjustments as you go to, to help yourself out. Okay. So in all of this, you know, one of the questions I like to ask uh, everyone who comes on um, and not to simplify your experience uh, and your, you know, your journey with all this, but if there is one shining star of information, the one piece of information that you found that all of this that helps you move forward and to stay focused on forward, what would you say that is? That wasn't, I know this may sound weird, but it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. <laughs> okay. Well, that's not weird. That's, if that's what got you through it, that's definitely not weird. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, when I was in rehab, I met a woman who had Parkinson's and she turned around and said to me one day, she goes, 
this is not going to kill you. Parkinson's is. And I went, okay, that's a new reality for me. And I guess that was my moment that I'm like, okay, I just need to buck up and strap my helmet on and move forward. So, so kind of a light bulb for, moment for you. Oh, then, huh? big light bulb moment. Yeah. Especially when I was just, cause I was, I was going through the anger stage. I was very angry. Yeah. Well, I, th I think that's pretty common uh, from everything I've read and, and, and personally seen. Um, because I think too, you know, I think a lot of people when they're going through this uh, based on what, you know, I think there is the misconception that this is something that's going to kill you, you know, that it's something that's going to take your life um, just because of what you're going through and, and how it's affecting you. You know, maybe that was good advice for you then that she gave you because, you know, I think a lot of people feel that this is something that's going to kill them. And, you know, but uh, to have the knowledge that um, that's a smaller likelihood uh, recovery is is the larger likelihood and you know i know people that have had the a worse case than me and people that have had a, a le least less case than me to me all of our journeys are the same like my friend rick like and, and my co-chair you know he just said he says that we all joined a club that we didn't want to be in <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah one of one of the uh people that i interviewed uh, just recently, um, somebody that we met uh, at Mary Freebed, those just a couple episodes back, a gentleman named Travis Olson. We're talking about his daughter Libby, who is at 16, had a, a massive stroke and had to relearn how to do everything. Um, you know, and we talked about that—that that how we're part of a fraternity that nobody wanted to join, uh, <laughs> but here we are. You know, but I think it's—I it, think it's having the support groups really. That's what's important, and and again, why your Facebook group is, is so important. So can you talk a little bit to about the Facebook group? I know you, you mentioned it, uh, you know, and how you, why you started it, but what are some of the things that you, that you hope to accomplish through the Facebook group? To give people just a community, um, a voice, um, a light in the darkness, I guess you could say it was just, it's a place where I want people because since it's a private group, they can say anything they want in there without their family and friends knowing. And sometimes that's part of the hardest part for us is what our family and friends are going through. Um, sometimes we don't like them to know all of that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. They have a, have a little bit of anonymity and, and, uh, because you know, this is a, what you're, when you're going through it and all your family's around, it's, it's a rather public ordeal, but to have a little bit of, uh, privacy, a little anonymity is not always a bad thing either. It's just sometimes the people in their group, they get it and others don't. Sure. And it's just, I don't feel like I have to explain with them. Right. Like, yeah. You know, when I hang out with some of my GBS friends at some of the functions, it's just like, I don't need to worry if because we've been together so long nowadays. It's just, and it's nice to have friends that get it, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, some of my older friends that really know me, they just, they get it too, because they're the, the, I found the ones that stuck by me through this are the ones that I knew were my true friends. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, some that even saw me at my worst, literally my worst when mm -hmm. couldn't shower, couldn't do my hair. And when she came in, she goes, what is up with your hair? And I just looked at my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I used, he used to dress me and tell me I was fine. Well, she's like, 
she finally looked at him and says, you know, give the woman a little dignity. At least put it, you know, do something with her hair. Because I have really curly hair, and if you don't do something with it, it'll be it was all over the place. Sure. So at least he learned how to do a ponytail because, you know, you can control it. It's just, and he, of course, he grumbled about that. And he goes, you know, let her have a little dignity here. You know, right. it wasn't go stand in front of the mirror and do it myself so <laughs> you, 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 know, you would have done it if you could have <laughs> well i tried with the ponytail he he would see me i mean i would i mean even the therapist we tried it's just my hands were i mean my hands were one of those that were like totally tucked in so it took me a while to oh okay um, yeah you know. to get that to come around sure okay so uh going back just real quick to the um, the website for the foundation. I want to make sure I got that right. I want to make sure I want to read it off again here for the folks, but it's www.gbs-cidp.org. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And now is that something that if, if people want to, they can make a donation over the internet to the foundation? Yes, they can. They Perfect. can make a straight out donation or they can donate to one of our walk and rolls. Okay. Yes. And so all those donations are going to go towards uh, the research and, and things to, to help with this. So that's fantastic. Is there anything that you would like to say as a, as a point of encouragement for people uh, who are going through this before we conclude? Or is there anything else you'd like to add uh, about the foundation so that people are aware of it before we conclude today? I want people just to know, don't give up. Fight the good fight. Um take one day at a time and it's just you're not alone in this there are there are lots of us out there you know on the internet the foundation people if you know if they become a member of the foundation you know they can get in touch with their local chapter their local liaison other people in their areas you know and for people that there's not something in your area consider becoming a volunteer in your area so you can help others on their journey I mean, little thing like holding a chapter meeting, chairing a walk and roll. You know, nowadays we're doing virtual meetings. Anybody can hold a virtual meeting. Sure. You know, and we have several on the calendars. You know, anybody can join our virtual meetings. There's one in Brooklyn and one in Boca next this month. People could join up. Okay. I know both the guys that are running them. They're great guys. A lot of information out there. How do people find the virtual meetings so that they're able to, is that listed on the website? If they go on the website, the foundation website, they go under, um, oh, crap is the button. Special events, uh, special events calendar. And you can click months, you know, they can, you know, like July, I'll have two meetings, you know, shows the two meetings, they can click on them and register them. And since they're virtual meetings, like the day before, they'll receive a, um, the code to join the meeting. Okay. So done through like Zoom or something like that? Yes. We're all doing okay. um, there's, okay. even, there's even a pre-recorded one that I did um, on the foundation's YouTube site on mindfulness. Okay. Uh, what I'll have you do, uh, Mary Lynn, if you have a moment uh, later today, send me that link and I'll attach it when we post your, your, uh, this interview online. Okay. I can do that. I would appreciate that. That would be good. So that way people can put a face with the name uh, as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, Thank you for having a platform for people too. It's just a lot of people, this is important. What you're doing is important too. It's oh, just, thank you. You know, and I hope that Kendall um, realizes she's not alone in her battle, that she's got a whole cheering section behind her. 
I think she does. And I'm not sure if you're aware that the foundation just started a youth and teens program. No, I was not. So um, Meg, don't ask me to say her last name, um, is in charge <laughs> of it. Sorry, at least okay. I'm honest, right? <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Okay. It's a, new, it's a new program. All right. No, we'll take a look at it for sure. And um, you're going to love this one. One of... Um, I don't know if you ever watched Once Upon a Time when it was on TV on Sundays. My daughter did, yeah. Okay, well, one of the dwarfs, his, um, I can't remember which one he was. His name is Michael Coleman. Okay. And he is a GBS survivor. Oh, okay. I actually met him two years ago in San Diego. He came to the symposium. What an awesome, inspiring guy. Um, I mean, like, wow. I mean, he just, like, blew me away. But he said what blew him away more than anything when he came to the symposium is the feeling of not being alone on his journey anymore. He said he felt alone until he walked into the room and saw 500 of us. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would be a little overwhelming. Sure. Well, yeah. I think I still get overwhelmed even years after several <laughs> symposiums. Well, I usually excellent. cry when I leave them because I'm gonna. I, I feel like I'm leaving my peeps behind. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, uh, you know, and like you said, you know, we want people to have a voice. I want to be able, people to share their story. I want people to be able to know that, um, you know, it's important for others to hear not, a not only what you've gone through, but b how you how you got through it, what got you through, what pulled you through, what helped you through, uh, because maybe those things are something that's going to help somebody else, you know? And so to give people a platform and an opportunity to share their stories for me is, is very rewarding that way. So I'm glad to be a part of this. And I thank you for that. And thank you for letting me be part of it. I'm so very glad to have had you today, Mary Lynn. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay. And that today will conclude Focused on Forward. Stick around for our next episode. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email, focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.